Welcome to the Reality Revolution. I'm your host, Brian Scott. Today we're going to talk about the way that nature is talking to you. A fundamental part of this podcast has been teaching the oneness of all, understanding the implications of absolute oneness in all things. But the interesting thing that is hidden behind this oneness is the infinite beauty of nature. And I have recently had some amazing experiences that I have not talked about on my Facebook too much because I didn't want to jinx it because I'd had similar things in the past. But I've had two batches of baby doves born in my backyard at the same time as a batch of hummingbirds being born right outside of my office window. On one corner is a hummingbird nest and across from my window is a dove nest. They just planted themselves in a local plant, got comfortable and produced two batches of doves and to watch these doves give birth is the most amazing experience catching all these little moments with the doves them building the nest sitting forever on the eggs and then when the babies are born they go and very carefully clean the eggshells out of the nest by grabbing each little piece with their beak and flying away and placing it somewhere else and this tiny little hummingbird at the same time sitting on top of this very tiny little egg we almost missed it but it is as big as your thumb and it would just sit there night after night for weeks the mother would just sit on the eggs and the hummingbird just sat on the eggs and every day i looked at him and watched him Sometimes the hummingbird would disappear and we're like, oh no, did he abandon the nest? And we'd watch a father dove and a mother dove take turns giving babies. And so the mother dove plants the eggs and then they each took care of the eggs for 12 hours at a time, one bringing food to the other. We would try to feed them because we had stopped feeding birds in our backyard and it was quite sad we had missed out on so many doves that would come to our backyard i spoke a little bit about this in my episode on reality is communicating with you because i had this amazing experience with all these birds that started coming to my backyard and i have this understanding now the more i sit in observation of nature in the moment and monitor what's happening around me in a very meditative state, listening to the sounds of birds and animals and trees and wind and rain, all of it is communicating with you. It's communicating with me. The outer world is a mirror of what is going on within you. And oftentimes we don't realize the very weather around us and the animals that appear and show up in our lives are symbolic of what is happening within you. Nature is the creator in all of its brilliance and glory. 
in a way it's a sort of facade because of the vast infinite complexity of it taking you away from that understanding that all things are one the infinity of things that i have seen recently the different animals that i've come across different cats different breeds different insects different flowers different varieties of flowers so many different textures and colors and recently traveled to cancun and it's like a jungle there next to the excoret ecological park and we saw so many different animals plants and combinations that it just blows my mind the infinite nature of the infinite forest and all the animals that are around us and what it means to what is going on within you why is it so important why don't we talk about nature enough why aren't we tuning in to what nature is saying why can't we harmonize with nature because it is the creator in its perfect presence it is creative substance all around you all the time we are a part of nature and it is all around us we take it for granted why is nature so important to us we don't answer that question when we ask it just look up hashtag why nature is important and you'll find so many amazing things on twitter on a personal level nature gives me a sense of peace and well-being and escape from the rat race a calming influence on the soul i never cease to be amazed at what nature has to offer says steve willard lucy cavendish says nature is that is all have you stopped to consider how utterly absorbing and therapeutic nature is with whatever is ailing you whatever problem that you have if you can go out into nature for even a 5 minute walk it will change your health your mindset and the world around you every flower is god i look into the blossoming flower and i see the brilliance of infinite intelligence and the more and more i tune into this the more and more i understand my own inner nature which is reflected in the way the plants are forms of pollen for the hummingbirds in our backyard we can also look at these animals that come into our lives as symbolic of what's going on within us the dove symbolizes peace i've asked myself this question what this means that i have these doves and how do they symbolize my own life have you had things like that where you monitor the different animals that are around you i am fascinated by doves they are attracted to me all the time even when we don't set food out for them and hummingbirds are associated with the mind they're associated with a wealth of spiritual and symbolic meanings they are creatures of joy traveling from flower to flower in search of nectar to the aztec hummingbirds were a symbol of love to the maya they were messengers between worlds and to the north american indians they were beings who created energy between heaven and earth the legends say that hummingbirds traveled back and forth from their home in the underworld with messages from their ancestors for those on earth 
The message was believed to be an agreement for peace if they would not interfere with human affairs. It's a symbol of love. For my wife, it's the white butterfly. She sees the white butterfly. She feels her guardian, her angelic presence that's nearby. Many friends of mine have different animals that just simply seem to show up. Neville Goddard speaks in his own life of the experience of the promise, which the dove comes in physical form as a representation of God with all love, using that symbology. Neville Goddard speaks on several occasions about the nature of nature and how birds and different things around him symbolized what was going on within. I also had this discussion with 2020 in my interview with him. Nature is what is going on inside of you and are you listening and what does it mean? I've been shown the infinity and it, it is a symbol to me that nature is now reminding me of its infinite nature and to embrace that as I come into an understanding of oneness. But I look back at my life and I think about, for instance, my father who was a hardworking veterinarian and he appeared to be his most happy when he was out in the forest fishing, walking up a mountain, just hanging out by the fire. And if you think about those moments when you're enmeshed in nature, you find a greater understanding of the creator in all of his creations. Nature to me can be like a vast museum of the ideas of God. When I look at the tree, it's an idea of God. It's a fabulously awe-inspiring and mind-blowing thing to me. I remember most moments that I have shared in nature. Sitting on the back of a rock, looking up into the clouds with the sun coming down, fishing with my dad, listening to the hum of the mountain with birds and trees creaking through the wind and the bubbling waters of the waterfall nearby speaking to me on this powerful level. I think about my ancestors and my previous lives living in these lands, the animal nature within me, my connection to this natural environment of life. And I had this revelation that has sufficiently changed my view of these animals. They all are aware of God in full awareness. The veil is removed. Animals that cannot communicate are given that powerful connection to the Creator. They are within that state of that physical vehicle that they're within, which carries specific instincts for survival, but underlying it all is an awareness of the Creator, an awareness that they are sharing when they give birth to that baby and they do the things that they have to do. Where do they get the information that they would need to take care properly of these baby birds that they take care of? They feed them from their mouths. How do they know to do that? Where do these instincts come from? Watching these birds give birth one hummingbird. I don't know where the dad was for the hummingbird, but two hummingbirds came from this nest and 
We saw them on their last day in the nest as we came home from Cancun, just sitting there huge, as big as your thumb, almost as big as the mother. And they started to fly around. And for each of these birds, we saw their first flight. To think of the possibility of that, of all the different events, we saw the first flight of each of these birds. What does it mean? I could think about myself flying for the first time and giving birth to ideas and seeing and rejoicing in symbols of future prosperity and it was all around me. And the infinite nature of everything. Every leopard had different spots. Every jaguar was different. Even within classes of animals, there was this infinity within everything. As I started to research this, the very color of every animal tells you something. For instance, we have gray doves, which symbolize psychic awakening and compassion and awakening of dormant intuitions, which are part of this process of awakening right outside my door. As I'm speaking right now, in this very moment, there are two baby doves sitting in the nest. And the mother, just for the first time today, sort of let them hang out for a little while. Slowly over time, the mother will sit up on the ledge and watch them as they don't know what to do after sitting with them all this time. You can feel the fear of the little birds. Where's my mom? This whole time, the mom has been with me this whole time. And as they start to move around in the nest and start to flap their wings for the first time. While this is happening, I'm giving birth to new ideas, which are profound and doubling in effect. Because we saw two doves give birth to four baby doves, two batches at a time now. And they may continue. For I invite all hummingbirds and doves to simply come to our backyard anytime. And you have a safe place with us. And it was that feeling that they trusted us that they had gone to our beautiful backyard. My wife is an amazing gardener. We have a very, very green and beautiful backyard with every imaginable type of plant doubling all the time. And it's a comfortable environment for them to hang out in. We used to feed a squirrel for a while. And I loved that squirrel. I had a bag of peanuts and I would go out and give him some peanuts every day. And then... When we stopped feeding the animals around us because we had invited rats, which was also somewhat symbolic, because we had put out the seed for the ideas to come and all these manifestations to come because we're putting out seed just as much as we're putting seed in the soil, we're putting out seed for birds to come and ideas to come. And so I was told by my landlord, yeah, stop feeding the birds with seed because we had to pay for the rats that had come. So after we stopped giving seed, we started seeing them coming and giving birth because we tried to create this vibration that was attracting like attracts like, and we attracted this loving vibration in the environment that we created in that area. And that is like life around me. I create a loving vibration for certain ideas, manifestations, experiences to come into my life. And when I create a, a It is creating that perfect environment for that wonderful thing to fly into your life and to give birth and to double over and over again. As I had experienced, I could see this was our experience on this earth, on this planet, that if we create this loving environment, that nature 
will respond because nature always responds through the mirror in perfect and loving ways. Nature knows better than we do. Nature is behind the creation of all these animals and plants. Be sure to check out my short story, The Secret of the Trees, which tells a story of actual human beings at the end of the human history, thousands and thousands of years from now, going into space, becoming trees, and then it turns out that there's a secret to those trees. In my episode, I previously mentioned the message from the trees. Since I was in Mount Shasta, I have regularly communicated with trees all the time. They're always talking to me. Now I can initiate a conversation with any tree and it will talk back to me. I'm aware of what they're like, their attitudes. I can tell certain trees don't like to be bothered. And I have two amazing trees in our backyard that give us avocado. And I have a relationship with trees around me. And I honor the trees around me. They give me oxygen. And they tell me things. And they've had experiences. Many of these trees are very old. And they share their wisdom over many years. They're observers of our environment. And it is so powerful to tune into this voice in which nobody is listening. Tell me why it was when my dad took care of any animals. He did large animals and small animals. But he always created a loving environment when they came to him. They always submitted. The gnarliest dog, the most aggressive animals, would just totally calm down in his presence. Sometimes he would pet them in a certain aggressive fashion, but it was never violent or hurtful or controlling. It was always like intensely loving for the more intense animal but it was always an environment of love he might pet them on their ears or scratch them in a certain way or pull back their eyes and if it was a dominant situation but it was always lovingly dominant and you can create an environment around you that attracts different ideas and experiences in the same way as we interact with animals in our lives Anthony Norvell, in his book, The Million Dollar Secret Hidden in Your Mind, when talking about nature, says, In nature, this intelligence grows shells to protect some of its creatures from extinction. It gives animals and insects weapons to survive. The bee has its sting. The scorpion has its poison. It causes some to climb trees, others to live and breathe in water. It gives furry coats to the polar bear to survive in the Arctic cold and assures even a lazy bird like the cuckoo the right to survive. The cuckoo bird flies over the nests of other birds and mentally photographs the shape, size, and color of the eggs in their nests. Then it lays an egg in each nest that matches those already there. This lazy bird then flies away to enjoy itself while foster parents take care of its children. Recently, when I went on that trip to Cancun, when we would leave our hotel room and walk to the buffet in the resort, we would walk by two different deer. We'd walk by monkeys, several different kind and species of lizards. We regularly saw some Cody, which I thought were raccoons and are called Kotai. We saw every kind of bird, king vultures, green parakeets, green macaws, scarlet macaws 
and these all naturally existed on the resort without being chained up or controlled in any way. Just walking along our path all harmless and the beauty and variety just was astounding. It was very special. I would sit at the beach looking out at the ocean and I would sit and meditate with my eyes open, simply looking at the water coming in and rolling out. And I would begin to control the waves. I could calm the waves down or they would speed up. I would notice I'd have emotions as I looked out into the ocean. And my emotions would change the nature of the waves that we would see. The water would become more blue or gray. The clouds would cover and there were variations in the cloud coverage and the kind of clouds that we would see. Monkeys would come down from the trees and go back up. I would find this moment where I could feel all the animals around me vibrating in harmony with each breath. And I was at that place where the animals are, where they were aware of God's presence. It was deep and vast and hard to explain but that is Gaia an actual living entity that you can tune into that is a part of all these things of all these different varieties of animal and it's right in front of us and we are ignoring it just go and listen to the different bird calls the sounds of the birds There's a cacophony of sounds all around you that you're not even listening to. You're just ignoring it. Look at the beautiful sunrises and the trees and the plants and the animals that scurry about you. I'm reminded of one of my very favorite authors that we have not read yet on this podcast, Henry David Thoreau. He was an amazing American naturalist, an essayist, a poet, and philosopher. He was a transcendentalist. He's best known for his book, Walden, a reflection upon simple living in nature. And his essay, Civil Disobedience, an argument for disobedience to an unjust state. His articles and essays and journals and poetry amount to more than 20 volumes. And he's writing about nature in the majority of them. In his book, Walking, Thoreau discusses his sunset at the end of his book, stating, We had a remarkable sunset one day last November. I was walking in a meadow, the source of a small brook, when the sun at last, just before setting, after a cold gray day, reaching a clear stratum in the horizon, and the softest, brightest morning sunlight fell on the dry grass and the stems of the trees and the opposite horizon and on the leaves of the shrub oaks on the hillside while our shadows stretched long over the meadow eastward as if we were the only motes in its beams. It was such a light as we could not have imagined a moment before and the air also was so warm and serene that Nothing was wanting to make paradise of that meadow. When we reflected that this was not a solitary phenomenon, never to happen again, but that it would happen forever, 
and ever an infinite number of evenings and cheer and reassure the latest child that walked there it was more glorious still the sun sets on some retired meadow where no house is visible with all the glory and splendor that it lavishes on cities and perchance as it has never set before where there is but a solitary marsh hawk to have his wings gilded by it or only a musquash looks out from his cabin and there's some little black-veined brook in the midst of the marsh just beginning to meander winding slowly round a decaying stump we walked in so pure and bright a light gilding the withered grass and leaves so softly and serenely bright I thought I had never bathed in such a golden flood without a ripple or a murmur to it the west side of every wood and rising ground gleamed like the boundary of Elysium and the sun on our backs seemed like a gentle herdsman driving us home at evening so we saunter toward the Holy Land till one day the sun shall shine more brightly than ever he has done shall perchance shine into our minds and hearts and light up our whole lives with a great awakening light as warm and serene and golden as on a bankside in autumn in his chapter on solitude in his book Walden he begins by saying this is a delicious evening and the whole body is one sense and imbibes delight through every pore I go and come with a strange liberty in nature a part of herself as I walk along the stony shore of the pond in my shirt sleeves though it is cool as well as cloudy and windy and I see nothing special to attract me all the elements are unusually congenial to me the bullfrog's trump to usher in the night and the note of the whippoorwill is borne on the rippling wind from over the water sympathy with the fluttering alder and poplar leaves almost takes away my breath yet like the lake my serenity is rippled but not ruffled these small waves raised by the evening wind are as remote from storm as the smooth reflecting surface though it is now dark the wind still blows and roars in the wood the waves still dash and some creatures lull the rest with their notes the repose is never complete the wildest animals do not repose but seek their prey now the fox and skunk and rabbit now roam the fields and woods without fear they are nature's watchmen links which connect the days of animated life so have you really pondered the nature of nature why is it that life feeds on life that there is such violence in nature confrontation and competition I come from Wyoming and so I was taught how to hunt at a very young age before I even really had a choice of whether I wanted to hunt in the first place. My dad took me hunting when I was only six years old. I'd learned how to shoot a gun at that time and to take 
the life of a deer or an antelope was what I was taught to do. And it was very hard for me to understand my place in nature. And while I don't hunt anymore, it was an experience that I had really no choice in. I hunted with my dad. It was what I was to do. My dad, who was a veterinarian, but deep within your bones, within the memories of your previous lives and incarnations, you may have been a hunter. And what does this mean? And how is it reflected in nature? Is nature the hunter and the prey? Is nature violent because that is going on within us? As Thoreau discusses in his chapter on higher laws, as I came home through the woods with my string of fish trailing my pole, it being now quite dark, I caught a glimpse of a woodchuck stealing across my path and felt a strange thrill of savage delight and was strongly tempted to seize and devour him raw. Not that I was hungry then, except for that wilderness which he represented. Once or twice, however, while I lived at the pond, I found myself ranging the woods like a half-starved hound with a strange abandonment, seeking some kind of venison which I might devour and no morsel could have been too savage for me. The wildest scenes had become unaccountably familiar. I found myself in and still find an instinct toward a higher or as it is named spiritual life as do most men and another toward a primitive rank and savage one and I reverence them both. I love the wild not less than the good, the wildness and adventure that are in fishing still recommended it to me. I like sometimes to take rank hold on life and spend my day more as the animals do. Perhaps I have owed this to this employment and to hunting when quite young, my closest acquaintance with nature. They early introduce us to and detain us in scenery with which otherwise at that age we should have little acquaintance. Fishermen, hunters, woodchoppers and others spending their lives in the fields and woods in a peculiar sense a part of nature themselves are often in a more favorable mood for observing her in the intervals of their pursuits than philosophers or poets even who approach her with expectation she is not afraid to exhibit herself to them the traveler on the prairie is naturally a hunter on the headwaters of the missouri and columbia a trapper and at the falls of St. Mary, a fisherman. He who is only a traveler learns things at second hand and by the halves and is poor authority. We are most interested when science reports what those men already know practically or instinctively, for that alone is true humanity or account of human experience. And in the conclusion to Walden, he has this beautiful paragraph where he says, the life in us is like the water in the river. It may rise this year higher than man has ever known it and flood the parched uplands. Even this may be the eventual year which will drown out all our muskrats. It was not always dry land where we dwell. I see far inland the banks which the stream anciently washed before science began to record its freshets. Everyone has heard the story which has gone rounds of New England of a strong and beautiful bug which came out of the dry leaf of an old table of apple tree wood which had stood in a farmer's kitchen for 60 years first in connecticut and afterwards in massachusetts from an egg deposited in the living 
tree many years earlier, still as appeared by counting the annual layers beyond it, which was heard gnawing out for several weeks, hatched perchance by the heat of an urn. Who does not feel his faith in a resurrection and immortality strengthened by hearing of this? Who knows what beautiful and winged life, whose egg has been buried for ages under many concentric layers of woodenness in the dead dry life of society, deposited at first in the alburnum of the green and living tree, which has been gradually converted into the semblance of its well-seasoned tomb, heard perchance gnawing out now for years by the astonished family of man as they sat round the festive board, may unexpectedly come forth from amidst society's most trivial and hand-selled furniture to enjoy its perfect summer life at last. The light which puts out our eyes is darkness to us. Only that day dawns to which we are awake. There is more day to dawn. The sun is but a morning star. So I challenge you to look around the nature around you and ask yourself, what is it saying to you? What is it saying about your life, about the world, about your emotions, about your journey and your experiences? Is it telling you of some future event? Is it a reminder or symbol? Look up these symbols. If you see an animal, look it up. Google will give you six or seven different websites and books, and then you'll start to figure out these symbols on your own and start to say, what does nature want to say to me? And it's going to communicate about what's going on within, but also it's going to be a catalyst for you to become greater at the service that you're providing because nature is vastly intelligent. Look at what it's done. Look at the amazing mountains and streams, the waves the rocks, the fields, the infinite variety that is all around you is the abundance that is within you. Nature is talking to you. You can find all episodes of The Reality Revolution at therealityrevolution.com. Check out my art when you get a chance. You can find it at newearth.art. And welcome to The Reality Revolution.